This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. time to break out the party hats and pop the champagne because Americana Podcast is celebrating its fourth anniversary. For the past four years, this podcast has strived to be a leading voice in Americana in sharing interviews, stories, and music from some of the genre's most talented artists. And it's in our tireless efforts to promote and celebrate the diverse genre and range of sound and styles that we've made plenty of laughter and memories along the way. We've really worked to provide insights into the creative process and the challenges of the music industry, while also sharing the rich history and and culture that inspires Americana music. In order to celebrate this fun little birthday of ours, I'm very pleased to invite you to a live panel recording that we did at the Arcadia Live in Kerrville, Texas back in October. We recorded this panel with an amazing group of guests. Moderated by writer and Grammy award-winning producer Tamara Saviano, This event really was such a blast, guys. I really hope we get to do more of them in the future. Unfortunately, due to some technical complications, we lost the introduction of everyone featured on the show. So if you just bear with me a moment, I'd like to introduce those in order in which you will hear them. Beginning, of course, with Bruce Robison. Bruce Robison is an American singer-songwriter based in Austin, Texas. He's known for his unique blend of traditional country, folk, and rock music, as well as heartfelt and humorous songwriting. Robison has released several critically acclaimed albums throughout his career, including Wrapped, Long Way Home From Anywhere, and Eleven Stories. His songs have been covered by numerous artists, including George Strait, Tim McGraw, and The Chicks. Robison, a prolific songwriter, but also the founder of the music publication The Next Waltz, continues to write and record and perform music while also inspires new generations of artists. Bruce is followed by Richard Scantz, who is a music journalist, editor, and writer based in Austin. He is also a well-known figure in Americana music and has been writing about the music for about three decades. Scans' work has been featured in publications such as Rolling Stone, No Depression, and Texas Monthly, among others. He is also the editor of the popular music magazine Lone Star Music, which covers Texas and Americana music specifically. The other person, who, uh, the next person that follows up Richard Scans is our host, Robert O'Keen. Uh, I don't feel like he needs much of an introduction. Uh, Our usual listeners know him very well at this point, but if you are just tuning in, Robert Earl Keen is a singer-songwriter based out of Kerrville, Texas, and he is the host of the show. He is followed up by Jamie Lynn Wilson. Jamie Lynn is a talented singer-songwriter based in Nashville and in Texas. Uh, She is known for her heartfelt and emotional lyrics as well as her very soulful and powerful voice. Lynn's music draws on a range of influences from traditional country and folk and pop and rock, you know, all the stuff that we kind of love to talk about here on the show. Uh, She's released several albums throughout her career, including Trimble, Luminous, and Wanderlust. Her songs have been featured in films and TV shows, and she's collaborated with a range of talented musicians and producers. Uh, Jamie Lynn is also a very accomplished performer and has toured extensively throughout the United States and Canada. And that brings us to our final guest, Dr. Ian Petty. Dr. Ian Petty is a musicologist, writer, and educator. He's at Sol Ross University. He received his PhD from the University of Sheffield in the UK and has since taught at several universities throughout the UK and Canada. Dr. Petty has published several books on popular music, including The Resisting Muse, Popular Music and Social Protest, The Beatles and McClon, Understanding the Electric Age, and Bruce Springsteen and the Promise of Rock and Roll. Petty's work is known for its interdisciplinary approach, drawing on insights from musicology, cultural studies, sociology, and media studies. The real last guest on the panel is yours truly. Um, But anyways, this whole panel was a really great experience. And like I said, I'm really hoping that we can do more of them in the future, especially when they are followed up by such incredible performances like we had uh, on this one where we had Terry Allen play. And I'm really excited because 
Uh, this was a performance. We get to actually play whole songs for you on this episode, so you're going to be able to hear about three songs. If you don't know who Terry Allen is, Terry Allen is a singing, songwriting, painting, playwriting staple. He was born on May 7th in 1943 in Wichita, Kansas. Like the other artists on this show and on this panel, he's known for a blend of unique country rock and folk and music, and he's really known for his captivating storytelling that explores the landscapes and people of the American West, hard-edged and uncompromising, and it's earned him a loyal following of fans who appreciate his honest and authentic approach to songwriting. In addition to his music career, Alan is also a very accomplished visual artist and has exhibited his paintings and installations in museums across the United States. Despite the years, continues to tour and create music and cements his place as a unique and influential voice in the Americana music world. I'm your producer and panel guest, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the fourth anniversary and the 51st state. It feels like the elephant in the room is just like the weirdness of country radio, right? I mean, it's always throwing, it's reacting to that, right? You know, so um, I, I was, I loved it when it was still a, I felt like that was an option. I could go off to Nashville and try and get on the radio. And there were people on the radio that I loved at that point. Um, there was Patty Loveless and Steve Earle and, and, and Foster and Lloyd and, and 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 there were and and Dwight Yoakam, there were people on the radio that I that I felt like, man, I can, you know, that's that's an that's a viable place to go, you know. But uh, but that did feel like that uh, for a while. That it's it's it is a reaction, right, to finding a, a some kind of a thing to um, whenever whenever you you whenever country radio is a thing that that is not available to you, right? You know, I mean, then that then there's been. Uh, trying to find another thing that 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 you're part of, and I could be wrong about that. But. Well, and that's why Americana, as a radio genre and as an organization, was a direct result of the fact that country radio wouldn't play any of these artists, and right. that's why they formed. So, right. mm-hmm. so yeah. What did, what did uh that's just to Bruce and and Robert and and you too, Jamie? What was you remember the first time you saw the magazine No Depression? Like what you're thought like would you think like wow this is this is about us or like this is about well, i didn't know I golden make. smog so i didn't think it was about me <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so <laughs> but but i do i do remember uh you know uh, picking it up and reading the but there was also uh the the what it was oxford oxford american was working mm-hmm. in pretty pretty good shape that but back then actually what what i mean i don't know how much you remember this but there was a real struggle back in the mid 90s all the way to about 2005 to take uh, Americana and make it more country or make it more universal and there were all these different people that were trying to create different charts at the time and I think Gavin was finally the one that got a hold of it and put out you know the Gavin Americana chart and and then stamped it but even after that there were uh multiple factions that were still trying to say well who who is included in that and for uh the long the, the biggest surprise for me at that time especially uh from having not only living here in Kerrville but having a connection to Kerrville for almost my entire musical career going to the Kerrville Folk Festival I had tons of great songwriter friends that were from the northeast they cut them out immediately they were really yeah yeah they just went these guys you know you know john gorka patty larkin boom boom they took them out you know so they just knocked them out of the ball game right off the bat so you could get rid of that part so you could start talking about well are we talking about western beat americana are we talking about like are we talking are we talking about yeah southern rock americana are we talking about uh what some americana turned into for a, a while which was somewhat um country artists that no longer had a career that had a place to go i'm not kidding that was the thing yeah it's a fact they they for for a while it was a place for uh certain country artists that did had great careers in country music and they no longer could be played on country radio so they moved, moved to americana and then all of a sudden they got a lot of awards and a lot of adulation which they deserved it they were great records some of those records were great but the fact is like 
it also once again inst instead of being more inclusive it became less inclusive yeah clara i'm really interested in your opinion you know producing the americana podcast and obviously you and robert are from different generations of americana so tell us about your definition is the wrong word but your view of who the the young people under the Americana umbrella are and who should be brought into the fold and how do you get them in the fold? Um, so one of the, with the contemporary generation working in Americana at this time, I would say they all have a basis in singer-songwriter um, in addition to their, the musical base, which is American roots, which is anything from Texas country, Southern rock and Appalachian music. And I would include bluegrass at this time as well. In regards to the genres that I, the micro genres that I believe should be kind of brought into the fold moving forward, just in terms, because in terms of listenership, they wouldn't have the backing on their own um, would be blues and bluegrass in particular, even though those are standalone genres and have very devout followings, I think just in terms of increasing listenership, that would be the way to move forward. It'd be including those into the Americana spectrum. Um, historically, those are the basis for Americana sound-wise, and that would make the most logical sense. Well, this that's it. We've got it. Yeah, yeah we, we figured that out. out. Somebody well, write that thanks down. Thanks for coming. Terry yeah. Allen. All right. Yeah. Um, I, want, I want to talk a little bit about women. Um, so this is specifically for Jamie and Clara. Oh, um, there's, you know, there's so many women from Texas, especially who have grown into different branches of Americana. We've got Miranda Lambert and, and Maren Morris more in the mainstream. Um, Jamie um, and Amanda Shires and Courtney Patton, Sonny Sweeney and others in more folk indie rock. Um, talk about how you see these women and others in the context of Americana music, which, you know, in my opinion, a good chunk of it, as Robert said, that's not inclusive has been uh, older and more male. <laughs> well, I've, I actually see that changing a little bit, especially um, if we're talking about the, the Americana association and the Americana chart where they kind of um take maybe the social hot buttons and and push them you know so like as as women there was a there was a time a few years ago when they went oh no we need more girls you know so they started finding all the girls and going oh you're great remember you're great and showing us all that we're great and and that is kind of um you know, that's kind of stood over from, from the last few years. Like we've started to get a little more um, in that world. And a lot of people from Texas, people ask me all the time about, you know, girls in Texas, why aren't there more females in, in Texas music? Well, a lot of times they move, they leave. Like Miranda was here. Mm -hmm. She moved to Nashville. Marin was here. She moved to Nashville. Sonny moved to Nashville. Kylie Ray Harris moved to Nashville. Uh, the Kim, the Kimberly and Kelly, or Kimberly Kelly and her sister Kristen, they moved to Nashville. I mean, I can name you five or ten more that go to a certain level, and then somebody goes, "Hey, you could be a star. You have it. You should go." And then they all move, and so then there's the few of us that stayed. So we become a thing that's regional, and um, and then people ask us where our friends went. We're like, well, they're they're doing the deal. You know, Caitlin Butts even moved to Nashville now. And so that's part of the thing. When people go, where'd they go? Well, they're gone. You know, I think that the thing with, with, with girls in Americana music and in, and in this Texas geographical area, it's turning. Like, I think that it, it's getting to where we're, we're getting bigger billing and we're, and we're getting good respect. And that may be because of social tides or or whatever, where they try to, they they push us to the front. But you know, if as long as we just keep putting out good songs and um, showing up, I always then, thought it was interesting that like a lot of the Texas music, Texas country festivals, or tech, was, you'd see people would say like, "Oh, there's like there's a token female," or there'd be like two, maybe two female artists and a whole bunch of men, and be at all like the male, the guys be the top of the bill, but like. You would think of like the text artists that arguably stay true to themselves and 
got really successful were mostly women. I mean, like Miranda Lambert, and of course, uh, the chicks and, right. and, uh, Casey Musgraves is Casey, huge, yeah. you know, but they all came out. She of this, was this here scene. too. She left too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in terms of Americana, I mean, the biggest hitters right now in that world, a, a lot of them are women. There's Brandi Carlisle. There's Amanda Shires. There's the um, Allison Russell. <laughs> I mean, they're like, they're, yeah. they're doing great. Clara, what are you seeing with the podcast and, and women? Uh, I mean, we're getting a lot more requests from publicists about women in particular. I mean, that alone has changed a lot in the last couple of years. Whenever we first started, I'd say 95% of the requests that we get were men. And now that's that starting to... because they're all my friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of it. Um, <laughs> but that being said, like, that has changed a great deal. And one of the things I... Marissa Moss in her book uh, yes, that came yeah her she's book doing great yeah her book came out this last year and it's called her country and it covers Marin Morris Casey Musgraves and Mickey Guyton in particular but she does talk about the Americana scene uh and about the, the 2010s which is women were not getting the support on radio they weren't getting radio representation and so it started kind of becoming a little bit more inward where well if we want to get played we have to support ourselves and so they were bringing other women on to their shows and they were creating these bonds and these connections in order to increase listenership, this community in Americana. And it, they're to the point now that there is a group called Women in Americana, and it just focuses on them and what they're doing on social media. So it'll promote any kind of show that they're doing. And we're getting a lot more requests from these women in particular. And it's something that I would like in moving forward to be balancing out on our show, if not in just increasing, you know, women after women in months moving on. Can I ask Ian a question? Uh, so we had uh, we, we had one run at someone who had mentioned Americana on the BBC one time and she at Lady Nade. Yeah, Lady Nade and she and she and she uh, jumped ship at the last last minute. So but other than that, um, I don't hear much on I hear a lot of music programs on the BBC, but I don't hear a lot of of uh, Americana programs. So I was wondering what the, I know that you've been over here for a long, long time, more years than you were living in, in, in Britain, but, um, but I know that you keep the connection. So what, what are your feeling about how, how that part of the world thinks about Americana? There is an American music association of the UK. The definition of Americana in the UK is if anything is even broader than in the United States here. Um, a key uh, figure is on the BBC, a guy called Bob Harris, who used to run the old Grey Whistle Test. Of course, there's a story behind that as well. Uh, known as Whispering Bob Harris, he's a key player in this and has been for 40 years. So I would seek him out, Bob Harris on the BBC. Probably more country than anything, but not completely. So we do get some Americana through that, but the definitions of it are very broad. But um, Harris is a really enthusiastic supporter. I'll sing a song Robert Earl Keane did not write. <laughs> did y'all figure out what Americana is? Texan as you are 
a girl in her bare feet Sleep on the back seat And that trunk's full of pearl and lone star Cause I'm panhandling, manhandling, post-rolling High-rolling, dust-rolling, daddy And I ain't got no blood veins Just got them four lanes of hard Pill in my head, yeah, bust a hub for the golden spread under blue sky. We're gonna stuff my hide behind some pie glide and get southern fried back in my eye. Speed up old 87 of that hard ass Amarillo Highway. Thank you. Robert always did it way too fast. Um, Robert, you and I were talking about this. What are the best ways to convince kind of outlier Americana acts um, like the White Buffalo and Lucero and Tyler and, and people like that to want well, to be part the, of Americana. Yeah, the first best way to, I, I, and, and number one, I think it would be a really great idea if if there would be a, a larger variety of, of acts that were uh, involved in Americana. And there are n number, and this is from experiences that Claire and I have had. Uh, we, we had a lot of experience where people would say something like, I didn't even know they knew we existed, and um, and uh, Americana, what is that? And that these would be what I would consider pretty solid Americana acts. They they weren't they've not been necessarily recognized by getting any awards or anything. But the fact is, it's the music uh, which I would really define as authentic, and their whole their and mostly singer songwriter written at least if even if they're in a band or not. But the main, the first thing I would do is really try to impress upon all those acts that just seem like Americana that they are part of that, and that they that it would behoove them to be not necessarily part of the Americana Music Association, but just to think in terms of them being in an Americana act and uh, getting together with uh, you know other acts or being or or say tell your booking agent to book you on more festivals that are fully blown Americana kind of festivals, which there's quite a number of them these days. 
And um, that, that would be the first thing I would say. But as far as uh, moving fur further, somebody like um, Tyler Childers, uh, he's so big on his own as far as what he is. He's his own entity. But, you know, get, get, those, get people like, like Tyler, but there's a numerous people like this, and uh, get those people to just realize um, how much more good it would be if, if they would, would embrace Americana uh, for them, if, if, it, if they would embrace Americana, then it would be, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have to spend their life on planes telling people, well, you know, I kind of play like country music, you know, but like I also kind of play folk music. My dad says that I play just old string band crap. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, it's kind of like that. And that's, and, and so, so you have a home, you know, right. and you, and, so they should and I, think, I, I think that helps everybody. Yeah. Can I ask uh, Robert, like speaking of, I mean, the year that, that example, I mean, you had, established this very uh, large grassroots fan base for years in Texas and beyond, you know, before the Americana charts came out. Did Americana come to you or did you go to Americana or, or once that happened, like how did that help you? Well, I was really friendly, really good friends with this guy named Rob Bleatstein lives out in the Bay Area. You know Rob? No. Uh, anyway, uh, so I've been friends with him for about, uh, you know, 100 years. And, um, well, since the latter half of the late 20th century. Anyway, so I, uh, and he was working at Gavin, and he was the person, along with the editor of Gavin, who, who coined the term Americana, and then they decided to put it out on their cover, and I ended up on the cover. So it was like, yeah, but I didn't pay any money. I did send them some <laughs> presents and some whiskey, you know, but no, I didn't. I didn't. They gave me I a Corvette. But... It was just a surprise. But uh, the fact was, is uh, on that deal, um, I, I just, you know, right place, right time and knowing the right person. And does that, do you feel like that took you a new, new place? I mean, did it... well, again, back to the, my point about having a home. All of a sudden, I really did realize this is my home, and I and I mean, I immediately started telling people instead of saying that I was folk country, country folk, and that kind of stuff. You know, I just started telling people I was Americana. If they didn't know what I, I was, I would just say, "Here's a well, magazine." Yeah, here's the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. But at that point in time, too, um, when the chart started. Um, as our friend Barry Poss says, now uh, the industry kind of followed and there were now festivals to play and bookers and mm -hmm. labels that started with Americana. And mm -hmm. so there, there kind of grew an industry around that Gavin thing. Abs absolutely. And, and that would not have happened had somebody not coined the term and at least put out something that was of some significance, get, being that at the time Gavin was a, a really big industry magazine. Right. So these artists that don't call themselves Americana, but that we deem to fall under that umbrella, how do we, is there a way to make them feel welcome if they're not actually welcomed by the organization, but we know they belong? Is there a way to, you know, is it other artists taking them out on tour? Is it, how do we bring these artists into the fold? I think, um, if I may, uh, I believe John Prine had a really, when he was alive these last few years in particular, he did a really great job of bringing younger singer-songwriters uh, into his live spaces and giving them an audience. When And John was a, a really giving member, especially to the Americana Music Association in particular, but he embraced the term on its own. And so by bringing these younger like artists and giving them an audience and a space... I think he really encouraged them to participate as well. And we saw that with uh, people like Jason Isbell and the Milk Carton Kids and people like that. And I think Guy Clark did that as well. It was, yeah. You know, he was mm -hmm. a real mentor towards uh, other songwriters, other acts. Yeah. Right. Bruce, do, do you feel like you wear different hats? I mean, you've, you've had the huge success as a, as a songwriter, the George Straits and, and Tim McGraw like covering your songs. And that you didn't, you know, they 
cover those like hearing them on your records in a lot of cases but meanwhile you've had your songwriter career that you know i don't know if you would ever consciously call yourself americana or your songwriter sure, but i yeah. mean do you you think like you live in two different worlds in any way or is it oh why well, yeah i just was wanting to be uh, yeah I i'm not sure that that i just wanted to be a part of, of of music when i when i was growing up around here that it didn't it so didn't seem to be even a possible thing that when that that then when i started thinking about writing songs that was at least something that was that was uh um possibly available um um what was your question well, like Bruce, Mainstream when you country. were on, like, uh, was it called Lucky Dog, that label? I was, yeah. So Lucky was, Dog was kind of an Americana label. Right. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. So when you joined that label, did you feel like it was different than the other mainstream well, labels? Well, no, I mean, it was that, it's funny thinking back on that because me and, me and Ch Charlie was on that and, and, and Ingram was on that and we were all, and we were just, that's, all we did was bitch about how little they, they spent on us. Compared to Joe Diffie, or somebody the Sony like that. stepchild, right? And right. then when everything imploded, it was like, God, remember when we'd have thirty thousand dollar budget? You know <laughs> how great that was when we, you know, when they there was any support at all. But that was just before the wheels came off completely. And 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 but but so even though it felt like we were stepchildren at that time, it was I think it was still really helpful for us. And then those those records, even though. Um, they didn't mind didn't sell many that that was where I got those songs cut off of and it was really a huge thing for me to it have you know I guess platform is the name that they use for it now but um, um, but uh, but yeah it feels like a different world now but that was their their attempt and there was a bunch of different yeah a bunch of different labels you know I mean they had Rising Tide and right. they had Airs to Texas and they had Lucky Dog and there were there were these but but you know I guess there's a there's a good history for those kind of imprints that that spin off of things but how how did you so you know you were an early Americana artist on one of these labels but now part of your history is that you are breaking artists Charlie Crockett if it all of you haven't known Bruce broke Charlie Crockett as an artist. So how did you do that today? Uh, well, Charlie did that. He for sure did. And then, and then I, I, that that's a, been a different thing about me where I always liked being behind the scenes. And then I had friends, my friends, Robert and my brother, Charlie and Ingram and the chicks, they were, you know, we were signed at the same time and Jack and, and these guys and Crockett, I mean, just built our audiences one by one, you know, on, on the road. Jamie Lynn has played more song, more shows than I've ever played in the last three years, probably in my whole career. And so I've always had an incredible respect for the people that went out there and just built their audiences one by one. And definitely that's, that's what Crockett did. Also, I mean, I think that he doesn't sound like anyone else and that, 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 is is central i would think to anyone you know whenever they feel fresh to people you know that 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 that's what you're hoping for and and what i what 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 i saw in him the first time i i heard him i was like yeah lee i don't know what you are you know you're not blues you're not you're your country you're everything you know and um and so it's really wonderful and that's the great thing about something like americana right you feel like something could come out of it that feels fresh right you know that that is not bound by stuff but 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 i always had um total respect for the people that went out there and built built fan bases one by one because is there any other way to do it and jamie that's i mean that that kind of leads us into our next thing like you are out there doing shows all the time how do americana artists make a living and how you know now that the business model is no one pays for recorded music right um, how do you what is your business model, if you don't mind sharing a little bit? Well, funny thing about me is I've never had a business model. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but what took the place of, of, um, of recorded sales is merch, merchandise. Like I started going, how do you make really cool merch? How do you make something that is new that nobody else has done before that you're trying to find the thing that people 
and you go out on the road and if you've got cool shirts, you've got cool hats, you got some weird things, you know, coasters or bottle openers or whatever, like <laughs> what will you buy? Like that's what I, I need can to tell know. You what they won't buy. I can too. Uh. <laughs> I've got I know. I have sent so many uh non-selling shirts to thrift stores and like <laughs> I don't want these anymore. Will you take them? I thought this was going to do good. How how um, much do you get per stream? Per stream, oh lord, a tenth of a cent, maybe a hundredth. You know, it's I don't, interesting I don't even know exactly, you, but it's uh, changing. It's it has a lot to do with whether you choose it or not. Um, like okay. it's, um, I think it's it's somewhere between two and six thousand dollars per million, and uh, and th and then that depends on whether there. A lot of that is is passive these days. You're really lucky if. If um, if there's an incredible artist that's doing well, and then the the algorithms shove right. that next thing right. into that, there, there's where you, you know, land on a playlist that a dentist office plays. Yeah, or, and there is, some people are saying that it's over eight, seventy or eighty percent of the streams um, that are passive or not even that are, they're chosen. So anyway, you get you 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 get paid between about two thousand and, and six thousand dollars per million, depending on. On uh, on whether people, how much people are actually choosing your music and say, I want to hear Robert Keane, I want to hear Jamie Lynn Wilson. And dr driving the traffic towards your where you want them to go is getting more and more difficult if it's if it's a lot of it's passive. Oh, right. it's impossible. I don't think that there's any <laughs> yeah. way. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's it's. I think it's fun because it's like the the it's like the old west. You know, it's like the fifties <laughs> again in music. You know. And so to um, in the last year, Jamie Lynn and Robert have both did singles with my company and which is just a lot of fun, you know, yeah. and when they and, and the and, it, and, it, and it's so lame too to try to get on the playlist and stuff like that. But when they do, it's a cool thing. Right. And uh, and and but 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 it doesn't feel like there's any way to game that system, you know, and and um, and and but but it, but it is, you know, it it it. To me, it makes you want to be creative and want you to do something different to 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 hopefully make an impression somehow, which is what they had to do back in the fifties, right? Pressure to shape the type of music, right? Consciously or unconsciously, certainly in terms of writing, yeah. That pressure, well, sure, you know, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a fogey here, but I mean, I mean, I, I, I'll, I still buy records and 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 CDs, and but I, I of course, I do use streaming all the time for most most of my listening, just for convenience, but. You know, I'll, I'll I use Apple Music, but I know it's the same on on Spotify. I I just I know it's like I, you you go to Apple Music on release or used used to be iTunes on release day, and it'd be you know the new albums, and you could see what was out. And now like you go to the front page, and it's like playlists and picks, and like way down at the bottom is like new albums, and it's just like yeah. this is pushing like just really you know yeah. people say the album is dead I, i'm glad people still make albums but it's not helping that these services like it's all about getting on such and such playlist right well and those of us that grew up buying music and collecting albums you know it remains important to some to some of us not to mention the audio quality that's that could be a whole nother panel right Ellie took his first release on a highway In 1953, Green Chevrolet Is carrying an awful load for just a 15-year-old Until he laid his mind on the center line and turned up a radio Going a hundred miles an hour down the blue asphalt line Listening to the Wolfman of Del Rio And he didn't give a damn about the trouble he was in Yeah, deep down in his soul He just wanted to go Tell by the look 
look on his face He's all caught up with the need Trading some emptied out spaces For some speed And that good old American dream She took her first release on backseat A 1961 black V8 Ford She just give up all control on that vinyl tuck and roll Head breathing hard with the dark-eyed boy That she barely even knows Going a hundred miles an hour down the blue asphalt line Listening to the Wolfman of Del Rio And she didn't give a damn about the trouble she'd get in Yeah, deep down in her soul She just wanted to flow And you could tell by the paint on her face She's all made up for the need Trading some emptied out places For some speed That good old American dream
Um, but Bruce, you started the next waltz. Robert, you and Clara started the Americana podcast. So let's talk a little bit about that, Bruce. Why did you want to start have this, you know, you have this novel idea for a new company. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it just felt at that point where uh, the last couple of records that I'd made where you had to really, you know, you raise somewhere between 30, 80, 100 grand. And then you'd put the record out and it would just be gone in a couple of weeks. You know, I mean, I mean, back in the day, you know, you could if you if 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 your record <laughs> did well or something, you could work it for two years if it took off. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, three years. I had family members who did that, you know, and then but 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 there you go. There you go. But but that pretty much is gone, you yeah. know, and then you so it, so at that point, it was just uh, we had did that guy. We did a Kickstarter and we were going to do the whole thing and and raised all this money and did it. And 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 it wasn't it wasn't a horrible experience for putting a record out, but it was like, God, this is just so lame, you know? So I was, I was just looking for a new way to, to, to put, to have us more singles oriented thing was what the next waltz came out of. Tell the audience a little bit about the next waltz. uh, It was, it started out, it's morphed over about the last 10 years and it was an attempt to figure out a new way to put music out that was based on singles, which I feel like that we're heading towards and streaming. And, um, and so, now you know we got we've released you know 50 or or, or 60 singles and and have a a fair amount of streams every month and uh and uh um and 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 are able to um invest that money in other artists and and it's all it's just one deal that was everybody the same deal that 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 i do with 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 every artist is the same so we don't have different contracts and stuff and and uh, and then we we it's it's uh, supposed to be all about the song, and just uh, finding a song that's a that's a great song and that there's a story behind and and uh, and then we go in and record it and then we and then we put it out you know. And Robert and Clara, tell us why you started the Americana podcast. Um, in starting the podcast, I think one of my main frustrations at the time was that. When reading the name of the genre, it was always coming from people who were working in the industry. It was coming from journalists, but it was never really coming from the artist. It wasn't being defined or talked about by the artist. And so I, I think we really wanted to develop a platform that gave the power back to the artists and what their thoughts on the genre were, regardless if they agreed with it or didn't agree with it. I just wanted to hear from them what they thought because they're the ones making the music and it belongs to them to define. And so that was kind of the main reason for creating that platform. Robert, you want to add Uh, anything? Yeah, no, I can add to that. Uh, I heard that Bruce was doing something really cool and I said, (laughs) he can't get ahead of us, Clara. We've got to do something really cool too. New media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, Clara brought me into Americana podcast kicking and screaming. And, I, and but what I got out of it was uh, I realized that I'd been in this uh, echo chamber called a bus for like the last forty <laughs> years, and all I did was uh, you know like at the end of the show I pour a short glass of whiskey and listen to Tammy Wynette for the thousandth time, and so I thought I wasn't listening to music, and then I realized with when we started Americana Podcast I just opened up. All this music, first of it was just to like not sound like a dummy, you know, when I was interviewing people. But after a while, it was because just like there was so much really good music and I missed it and I didn't know why. I knew I was stupid, but I, I didn't know that I was that stupid. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, there's some really great stuff, especially today. There are some really, really great, uh, in, the, in, in the Americana genre specifically there are a ton of great writers and musicians that are out there that just once you think you've heard it all you hear somebody else the next week i I asked clara earlier today i said like because i interviewed you 10 years ago for a a magazine and i remember asking you like what what do you listen to Mm. and he was like i just listen to old bluegrass and so i asked (laughs) her like does he does he listen to these artists that he's he's interviewing, or is he still like, is he just putting on front? He said that you he make him do his homework, and like it sounds like it's actually you've no, it's no. opened your ears to oh, it's 
It's it's made it's made a huge difference in my life because you get to a certain age and you actually just start going backwards musically. Uh-huh. You know, I'm already listening. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just you know I love music and and the music stirs us all and I think I think it's a universal thing and I I think it it has so many different meanings to different people but just overall it makes people feel good about something. It right. might be themselves or something else, but it, it's a, just a good feeling. And, and I'm just really glad to be back into where I listen to new music because I've heard all the old stuff. Um, we've only got about 15 minutes here, so I want to go um, talk about the future of Americana. I'm just going to ask you one by one to, to talk a little bit about that. Is, is Americana becoming more global, more diverse? Who are the artists? What What is the future of Americana? Clara, let's start with you. I definitely think that the future of Americana is looking a lot more global and a lot more diverse. Um, uh, Dr. Petty here mentioned the Americana uh, Association UK earlier. They have a showcase every year at the Americana Fest. We They also just extended out to Australia. But, you know, we're seeing a lot more inclusivity within the genre, which I think is kind of lacking in other genres. But, you know, we're getting more artists of color like Amethyst Kia and Alison Russell and Leo Rondo in particular. Uh, We're seeing a lot more women and a lot more support for them, especially. And so I think the future is looking, you know, it's still an uphill battle in its own ways, but I think it's looking better than a lot of other, like a lot of futures for other genres. Ian. I think I think I'd agree with that. It's certainly becoming more global. Uh, it's important in the UK. It's important in Australia, and it will continue to become more global and more important as it becomes more inclusive. But it will continue to become more relevant as it continues to tell important narrative stories that offer senses of agency and legitimacy to people who don't normally have a voice. When Woody Guthrie said, "This is this land is your land," he meant your land. And it's your land, it's your world. And that has appeal way beyond the United States because these are making important statements. Music has the power to change things. It's not the lyrical storming of barricades, but it has the power to slowly nudge elbows and change things and make things better. Robert said it gives gives happiness, it does. It also gives a sense of legitimacy and a sense of personhood to people who don't normally have a voice. And that's important. Jamie. Yeah, what he said. That was beautiful. <laughs> I was going to say that. I mean, I agree with you in that and all of those things. Like, that's what I've always thought about all of these people that, that we've been mentioning up here today. And, you know, including, you know, tons of people not from Texas. Obviously, we're talking about global here. I've thought about it today that, like, so many of the great Americana artists are, um, like, I've read an actual quote that was like, Americana is even... Uh, branching to to not America, which like all these Canadians, and I was like, yeah. but all of these people are telling stories of the people, like I, of the people that don't get, you know, your neighbor across the street, they've got stories. The farmer, you know, down the road, they've got stories. Every single one of you people, you have stories that are song worthy. Just you know, they don't all have to be about the those of us that are songwriters, and I think that that is. You know, that's an advantage that we have that we can go, oh, here's our story set to music. But what's yours? You know, and and that's one thing that's really cool about this genre in, in particular is that all of these people globally and locally, you know, are telling stories about about people that don't really have a voice. And and that is what makes it so universal. And I think that that's what this you know songwriting genre does and that's really cool robert uh, uh, i'd like to say that to you know to jamie lynn's point earlier on that um you can you can you know take a guitar you could even just sing it a cappella, but you can you can write a song and you can p- play your guitar and and you in the world of globally anyone across the globe can can do this in the 
within the genre of Americana where they cannot do this in pop music and they cannot do this in country music. Right. I can promise you uh, because there are standards that everyone has to stick to really, in, especially in the world of like high-level pop music and high-level country music. I wouldn't call it high-level, just mainstream country music. Uh, and those things will never be heard if you're just sitting there with a the guitar right. and a voice. And so... Um, uh, it, what, what's wonderful about Americana music is it doesn't restrict the production values that, that one has to use to get a song out there. And that's w one of my favorite things because I love hearing like guitar or vocal. I, I, I've got two or three old, uh, I mean, I'm saying old, but these are old Doc Watson records, which I, he's just Doc Watson playing his guitar and singing a song. And I just as soon listen to that as I listen to Steely Dan record, which I like Steely Dan, but still. Richard. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> we got off a little here. Yeah. Uh, the future no, of Americana, the artist, is it becoming more global? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you see? What would you like to see? Uh, I, I've, I've always liked the idea, the thinking of Americana as uh, I like the idea mainly like when, uh, when it was, we had Lone Star Music Magazine, and it was like the, the, the you'd think Lone Star just gonna be Texas, but we covered all, you know, it, it was, it was, it was Americana, and it was like, you know, or like, uh, I thought it was like his roots and roll, and I liked having that broad umbrella to, you know, just the freedom, like, what's, what's Americana? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a singer songwriter, it's, it's a roots, roots rock band, it's, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's like that, that broad spectrum. And uh, so I think that I like that the Americana awards, you know, when they do, you do see those different shades and, and colors and parts of it. And it's not just, you know, alternative country. And so I think that's, that's pretty cool. And I also think it's cool. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going record. I'm a fan, but I thought it was uh, like the, probably the two biggest records last year were, Taylor Swift's folklore and, and evermore. And like, that's, you know, she's someone who, of course she started out country and went, you know, pure as produced pop as she can be. And like, she did these two records they are just stripped down, just great. Gorgeous uh, records. Gorgeous yeah. Americana, you know, Americana or folk or, you know, indie folk or indie, but, but it's like, that's like, here's this as big as you get, like find the sound and like, that's how big, you know, Americana can be if you want to. So that's, I think that's encouraging as far as like the future of the genre, but yeah. Bruce, uh, I'm going to punt on that, but I'm with the through line <laughs> through that kind of, which is An option <laughs> of a future where you have somebody like Terry Allen, who I don't know if this is what he wants or not, but who <laughs> will be incredibly influential all over the world. And, but I used to tell Jerry Jeff, I was like, I, I came here because not only you didn't, you didn't sound like you were trying to sell a million records, it sounded like you were trying not to sell a million records. And, but, uh, so I think the future of it, whether we like it or not, will be some, uh, some artists who are incredibly influential that are following their own path. And, uh, and we get to hear one of them in a minute that is beyond, it's really hard to put in words of, uh, of, of, of how he's, he's, he's charted his own path and how, and how it was simply just about the beauty of the music and not, and not trying to follow any, any other thing in a way that is, 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 I was never able to do, but that, you know, is, is really something that we get to be here and listen to. All right. Well, and that leads me to, I was going to say, Robert, you want to tell us what's coming up next? Uh. Uh, yeah, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Terry Allen to be, be up here in a few minutes playing with uh, Richard Bowden on the fiddle and his son Buck Allen. And uh, if you've not, if you don't know anything about Terry, Terry, Terry's a, um, a world famous sculptor and visual artist, and uh, also a playwright, uh, written over twelve plays, and um, has just. Uh, and been a, I've been a fan first, and I've been a friend of Terry's since uh, the early 90s, and he always calls me Wreck, and, or calls me Wreckage. <laughs> and uh, he pulls no punches in the world, but he also gave me the best advice anyone's ever given me about, about the creative process, 
and that was I said, like, you know, I mean, I don't want to be just like pedestrian about this, but what happens when you, you know, have writer's block? He says, wreckage, you just sit there in your chair and you don't sharpen your pencil and you don't go make a sandwich. You just sit there till it comes to you. <laughs> and I said, that might be a long time. He says, it definitely can be a long time. <laughs> and then I said, I said, but if you'll, if you'll look at some of his art after you've, if you've never heard Terry, I, I think you're in for a treat. Uh, if God. you do know Terry and don't know his art, if you look up his art, uh, you will, you will be amazed. Every minute he sat there not making a sandwich, not sharpening a pencil was worth it. So, um, uh, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you, Tamara. Everybody, please, uh, a round of applause for Clara, Ian, Jamie, Robert, Richard, and Bruce. Thank you. As Americana Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary, we can only look forward to more great episodes and more insightful interviews and more amazing music. Here's to many more years of sharing the beauty and power of Americana music with the world. And I can't thank you enough, every single one of you that has ever tuned in this show, Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing it with us and just loving music because that's what this is about. And I can't, I cannot express my gratitude enough. And for those that were part of this uh, special panel performance, uh, I would really like to thank Tamara Saviano, Bruce Robison, Richard Scantz, Jamie Lynn Wilson, Dr. Ian Petty, Terry Allen, and our host, Robert Earl Keane. I would also really like to put out a special thanks to the assistant producer and recording engineer on this episode, Brett Brock. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keen Productions, produced and edited by Clara Rose and Brett Brock, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play. This for all the waitresses out there. It's not silly when she brings you your chili to grab a cracker and distract her with a crunch, a cracker crunch. Pass
Yes, so it's not strange When she brings you your change To bend down and kiss her Thank you.